Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're joining us today. Today, we're continuing with our series called Infinitely More. We have three more weeks to go as we uncover the ways God has infinitely more for us than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. Today, we're going to look at a series of promises that Jesus tells us he will do for us when we commit to following him. Let's find out just what those promises are. Here's Pastor Nicole. So raise your hand if you classify yourself as a list person. Anybody a list person out there? I make lists of things I need to make lists for. Uh, Maybe an unhealthy habit, but something I've been doing a lot of my life. Um, Studies show that making lists helps increase productivity and improve focus. Um, And some really famous and successful people were list makers. Uh, Check out this list from Benjamin Franklin. He asked himself this important question in the morning and at night, every morning and every night, what good have I done today? What good have I done today? And that really framed all of his tasks on his list that day. Uh, This next famous to-do list I want to share with you, I can't deem as especially sound advice, but Johnny Cash did have a lot of success by following the rules on this list. There are some important lists that are valuable for us to look at in the scripture. In the Gospel of John, there are seven statements that Jesus made. He, he talked about who he was, and we call them the I am statements of Jesus. And I want to just quickly review for you the list of the I am statements of Jesus today, um, of the things that he said he was. Number one, I am the bread of life. Now, bread sustains our physical body, uh, but Jesus is saying he is the one who sustains our soul. He is the bread of, of life for us. Number two, I am the light of the world. Jesus came into our dark world and he was the light to all mankind. In fact, the scripture says if we are in Christ, we become children of the light. He comes into all the dark places and he dispels the darkness with light. Number three, I am the gate for the sheep. A gate is always used for protection. Uh, This is to to tell us Jesus protects us. He keeps us safe. He, He knows how to guide us. Number four, in that same vein, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd leads his sheep with his rod and his staff. He keeps them from falling off a cliff or wandering into danger. He he guides them. He's with them all the time. And he loves them. He, He lovingly loves his sheep. Number five on the list of I am statements of Jesus is I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus rose from the grave to conquer death and in doing so opened the way to eternal life. Number seven, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the absolute truth. He is the giver of eternal life. He is the only way to the Father. And it is only by trusting in him and trusting in his truth that anyone can receive his gift of eternal life. And number seven is I am the true vine. And this concept is just as the branch is of the vine and sustained by the vine, we are sustained by Jesus. We are, uh, only have true living spiritual life if we're connected to Jesus. And that is a real rest and assurance for us because he is all and in him, he can, he can meet all of our needs. He's the great I am. He's the God over all creation and he is sovereign over all of that. And so these seven I am statements of Jesus, these are clear declarations that he was, he is, and he always will be God. And in these statements, Jesus is revealing just some pieces of his goodness, just some pieces of his power. He's revealing some different ways that he wants to relate to his people and the way that he wants to meet our needs and and, and be someone we can rely on. 
and show us these things about him. Now, we're going through this series called Infinitely More, and we've been talking about how the life of Jesus shows us that he wants us to live in this mode of infinitely more, that he doesn't call us or equip us for a normal, average life. He wants us to live infinitely more. Ephesians 3.20 from the New Living Translation gives us the theme of this series. And by this time, I hope you can almost repeat it with me. So go ahead and do that if you're watching from home today. But it says this, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So the I am statements, this list of I am statements, is, reveals us the person of Jesus. But there are some other statements that I really want to spend time on today that help us understand his purpose for us uh, because we're focusing on the life that, that God wants us to live infinitely more. It focuses on the love and the grace and the hope that we have in him. And, and they are what I'm going to call today the I will statements of Jesus. So we talked about the I am statement of Jesus list, but I really want to spend some time today talking about the I will statements of Jesus. And five of these are found in the Gospel of John and two of them in Matthew. Now, these I will statements are precious promises that give us confidence in our God and our Savior. And as Jesus declared his I will statements, we have to know that they became instant truth. Um, every declaration from Jesus's lips was guided by the Holy Spirit, and it originated in the Father's heart. So when Jesus says something, when Jesus speaks purposely and passionately, it's because he has all the power and the authority to implement every word. He doesn't ever say anything flippantly or something that he doesn't intend to make good on. And it's my hope today that by bringing to light, by bringing to, um, to show you these I will statements, by showing you this list, that it would encourage your faith, that it would cause you to look for the fulfillment of each statement in your everyday life. Because what Jesus says he's going to do, he always does. So let's start with the first one. The first one on the list of I will statements is this. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Now, this promise comes from Matthew 4, verse 19. And I taught on this scripture a few weeks ago in this series. If you remember, Jesus saves a repentant sinner named Peter. And then he equips this forgiven sinner with the good news of salvation. And then he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And the other disciples that are there as well, he, he equips them with this kind of call, this role. And this promise that Jesus made really calls each of us to a life of service and gives us a really very real expectation that we have to live out our faith. You know, followers of Christ win souls for the kingdom. Followers of Christ win souls for the kingdom. And Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are so completely engaged and so fully consumed with the redemption of mankind. So much so that Jesus left heaven to come to earth, that Jesus sacrificed everything for us. He was tortured. He shed, shed his own blood. He died on a cross. And then he defeated the enemy, rose from the dead in three days, gave us his living word and full access to his throne, and then charged us with a spiritual mission to go and make disciples, to go and become fishers of men. But what happens so often is the further we get from the moment we encounter Christ, the less and less we share this truth with others. The further we get from that moment, the less we share this truth. In fact, we can go day in and day out without even thinking of the spiritual mission Jesus has called us to live out. 
And this spiritual indifference grieves the heart of God. This, uh, this idea that we have forgotten that God has called us to the spiritual mission, that we have forgotten the heart of God who leaves the 99 to pursue the one, really grieves the heart of God that this I will statement, that he will, he will equip us and he will give us everything we need to be fishers of men. Yet we don't take on the spiritual mission that he's asking us to do. So I'm going to ask you an important question. When is the last time you pursued someone with the love of God? When is the last time that you pursued someone with the love of God? Like I said, after we serve Jesus for a while, we might be really good at spirit-led worship and prayer. Uh, we, might, we might be really great at being part of a small group and having accountability partner and, and serving at Christian organizations. You may have the corner market on redemptive community, but the truth is, if you are at a place in your spiritual life that you are not sharing the message of Jesus Christ to anyone, you are missing out on the spiritual mission of the heart of God and the promise of this statement, I will make you fishers of men. So let's look at the second one on the list today. The second I will statement. And it says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. This one also comes from Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Now, this statement is really centered around rest of our soul. Uh, not so much sweet sleep, although Jesus does provide that for us as well. But it's more about your insides, your rest for your soul, peace inside of us. And Jesus gives us peace with God and he gives us the peace of God. Let me say that again. Jesus gives us peace with God and the peace of God. Jesus wants us to be free from fear. He wants us to be free of anxiety. And this peace that Jesus is offering us isn't the peace and comfort of good circumstances. Um, you know, I think the world can sometimes give us this counterfeit peace. Uh, we have health insurance and we have retirement accounts and, and we have a plan for uh, storms that come or bomb shelters or whatever. We have all these things. And Jesus is saying, listen, the world tries to give you peace and, and you can do some of those responsible things and feel like maybe you have your life in control, but he doesn't give peace the way the world gives it. He's not talking about the peace you have because you have a big bank account to back up if you, if you are laid off or something like that. The peace he is promising in this I will statement is not the peace based on good things happening to us. This is the peace that holds strong during a storm, that holds strong during bad circumstances. This is a peace that we feel when everything is crashing down around us, but we know that Jesus can give us rest. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart in, the, in that tribulation because I have overcome the world. So in other words, our peace will make no sense to the world. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 4, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Human understanding cannot produce it or grasp it. That is, this is not human peace he's talking about that he will give us. It's God's peace. That peace between Jesus and his father, that same peace he feels, and, and it comes out and he allows us into that relationship. And the, it, it comes from being fully grounded, fully safe, and fully loved by God himself. A, a peace that honestly no, nothing and nobody can take from you when you have this peace and you have this rest. And that is the promise that reminds us, I will give you rest. And remember, when Jesus says he will do something, he does it. There, there is nothing about, he never, he never says something that he doesn't fulfill. And so he's promising that. 
All right, the third and the fourth I will statements on this list uh, go together. And they say this in John 14, 21, I will love you. And in John 6, 37, I will keep you. So I will love you and I will keep you. Now, these really are trying to communicate to us. They promise us security in Jesus, that our salvation and our love from God cannot be taken from us. You know, John 6, 37 uh, describes this sort of gritty, raw moment that for me, it's just so full of hope uh, that Jesus is saying, look, there is no one too full of sin. There is no one too dirty. There is no one too broken. There is no one too far out of my reach. Jesus says, you might have been rejected by your father and mother. You may have been cast out by your husband or wife. You may have sunk so low that you're even embarrassed to come to Jesus. But Jesus promises with this statement, if you turn to him, he will keep you and he will love you. He will keep you and he will love you. You know, when Christ came to earth, he had so many interactions with outcasts and harlots and sinners, and he just continued to show them his great love. He met them in the middle of their worst moments, and he rescued them with his tender love and compassion. And he does that for you, and he does that for me today. And this is the promise of this I will statement. Jesus says, come as you are. Don't wait. He promises with this statement that he will make you a champion for the cross. He will make you an instrument for the kingdom of God. That this is the gospel message. He will love you and he will keep you. And you won't earn it and you won't deserve it, but he will do it anyway. And those promises of those I will statements shape so much about our, our life, our spiritual journey as we walk through it with the Lord. The fifth statement on this list is from John 14, 14. And it says, I will do what you ask in my name. Now, this statement is referring to prayer and faith that we can have in Jesus. Uh, I want to bring us to Hebrews 11, 1 to bring clarity to John 14, 14. It gives us this excellent definition of faith. And I want to read it to you from the King James Version today. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So those two words, I love those, substance and evidence. Substance and evidence, that's what, that's what faith is. Faith is a substance. I, I think so often uh, when we think about faith, we think of it as kind of like fluffy, ethereal. It's hard to grasp, but like what is it? But really what the scripture is saying is it's not. We practice faith all the time in our reality. I shared this analogy uh, once before, so I hope it sounds familiar to you. Uh, but let's say, you feel hungry for pizza for lunch. This is actually like a real-time analogy right now. I feel hungry for pizza for lunch. And you dial Pizza Hut, and you order a large pepperoni pizza. And in 20 minutes, you wait confidently because you know that that pizza is coming. The substance of faith to you is that the guy on the phone who you have never met said, okay, great, I'll see you in 20 minutes with what exactly you ordered. You have full faith that he is coming with your pizza. Now, do you sit around at home in those 20 minutes thinking, oof, I don't know if they're going to come. Uh, I better preheat the oven because I, you know, need to eat something. Uh, what if it's not what I wanted? Um, I, I better, I, I'm just not sure. Maybe I should have ordered something else. You don't do that. And if I'm being really honest, if we're being really honest with ourselves today, uh, we often have more faith in Amazon, Verizon, and Walmart, than, and even the bus driver, than we do in God, than we do in the creator of the universe. Faith is a substance. I take a need before God in prayer. 
And my faith, my active confidence in God, is the thing I hold on to while I wait to see how the Lord is going to answer what I've brought before him. If I have a painful circumstance in my life and I'm asking God to change that or change me, my faith is the substance I hold on to while I wait for God to do the things that he always, always will do. I don't have to make a plan B. I don't have to preheat the oven. I don't have to figure out what I'm going to do if God doesn't show up because he always has and he always will. He is the promise keeper. That is the substance of faith. Now, remember Hebrews 11 also said that faith is substance, but also that faith is evidence. Faith is the evidence that God is faithful. Did you know that we are not the first generation to ever trust God? In fact, we aren't even the first generation that has ever gone through a global pandemic. Psalm 91 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. People have been trusting God for thousands of years. People all over this city watching this message today have trusted God for decades. And the faithfulness of God is proven. There is evidence. Faith is an active confidence in God. In fact, I know that you might be just with your family today, but I want you to just raise your hand in the air right now, even if you're all by yourself, if you have personally experienced the faithfulness of God. If you have personally seen God make you a promise and keep it, I want you to just raise your hand in the air right now, just maybe even for you and God to see that, yes, Lord, I remember a time that I asked you for something and you have been faithful to me for it. This I will statement reminds us that we can have faith in God because he does what he says. And he says, I will hear them and I will answer. All right, so here's the sixth statement that comes from John 14, 3. And it says, I will come again and see you again. Now, this particular uh, I will statement talks a lot about the biblical prophecies that Jesus will return and he will make all things new. And you know what? We can be assured it will happen. And our certainty comes from Jesus's own words. He promised his return and he has made good on all of his other promises so far. And so there's no reason for us not to believe that that is what's going to happen. The scripture talks a lot about it. We know on that day, Revelation 1-9 says that every eye will see him coming in the clouds. We know from 1 Thessalonians 4-16 that the scripture describes that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. And we know from the scripture that Jesus's face will be like 10,000 suns shining in brilliance. And on that day, Jesus, the perfect priest, the source of strength, the righteous judge, the sound of love, the everlasting light, the king of all kings will come back for us. And apart from this day, apart from the day that Jesus eliminated all death on the cross, this will be the best moment in history, that the king will come. He will reign forever and ever. He will govern the earth and all wrongs will be made right. And Jesus says that will happen. In this statement, he is reminding us that he will come back and he will vindicate all that is wrong and broken in this world and he will come back for us. So the last I will statement is found in John 16, 7. And it says, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. 
Now, for me, these statements just keep getting better and better. <laughs> he starts out, I have a mission for you. I'm going to give you rest and peace because this mission might be a little bit hard. I'm going to love you and I'm going to keep you and I'm going to come back for you. And now he's saying, you know what? The promise I'm saying here is I have to leave earth, but you're not going to be alone. And he wants to tell the disciples that I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending this helper. I'm sending this advocate. I'm sending this person that's going to be with you all the time. And that he was going to come and he's not going to be limited by a human body anymore. He's going to be able to be, uh, just surpass all uh, time and space continuum and be part of our everyday lives and be close to us. And the word that they use here is Greek and it's the word parakletos. And it's used to describe the Holy Spirit as this very rich and meaningful way. It's translated in many ways in English, but some of the translations are the Holy Spirit is our counselor our comforter, our strengthener, our helper, our advisor, our advocate, our ally, our friend, and our intercessor. And this person of the Holy Spirit is within each of us. He is empowering us and helping us. He's giving us wisdom and guidance every single step of the way. And God wants us to live Holy Spirit-empowered lives, and he gives us all that we need to do that by, by allowing us to have the Holy Spirit deposited inside of us. So these I will declarations mean exactly what they say, that God has a plan for us and he has a list of promises. And for a list person like me, I'm loving this because this is the list of promises. Jesus will show us how to live on purpose and be fishers of men. Jesus will give us rest and peace. Jesus will love us. Jesus will keep us. Jesus will hear us in prayer and work on our behalf. Jesus will come back for us, and Jesus will give us the Holy Spirit to help us. Now, our next step is to make sure that our I will list lines up with his I will list. When we seek to align our hearts and lives with God's great plan, that's when we can experience great things. That's when we reach more people. That's when we have deeper connections and greater life purpose when we align our hearts, when we align our I will list with God's I will list, we have peace and love and rest no matter what happens around us. We, we live without fear of the future. We will see result from our prayers. We live in anticipation of Christ's return and we let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us. You know, the disciples understood that when we give God all we have, he becomes all we need. When we give God all we have, that he becomes all we need. We saw how the disciples responded. They gave up their jobs. They gave up their identity. They gave up their safety. They gave up their comfort to follow Jesus. And in return, they helped to create the greatest movement the world has ever seen. Uh, one that we're still benefiting from today. Imagine what our church and our city could look like if we made God's will our will. If we took all of God's I will statements and made them what we will do. And I believe that we give God what we have and we truly buy into his plan for our world. We can accomplish infinitely more than we might ever think or ask or imagine. You know, over the centuries, many people have asked this question. What is the chief purpose of man? What, what's the meaning of life? Maybe people frame it that way. And this is the answer, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the purpose. 
That's the purpose of this whole thing, this whole life that we're living. And this list of I am statements and this list of I will statements, they help us grow in confidence and assurance of all of his great love and his amazing grace for us. And I believe that it helps us enjoy God and love him forever and glorify him because we begin to understand more deeply and more clearly the things that Jesus came to be for us and the things that Jesus came to do for us. So I want to remind you to read these lists often, to remember them always, to watch as Jesus' promises can change the very substance of our own life on earth. And so I have a few questions I want you to discuss with those you are watching with today. And I have some homework, so don't shut off the the tape yet. Uh, Here are the questions. Number one, when is the last time you pursued someone with the love of God? If it's been a while, Brainstorm a plan to act this week. Number two, share a time that you have seen God's faithfulness in your life. And number three, what do you think it will be like the day that Jesus returns to earth? Spend some time talking about that and discussing it with someone. And here's the homework. This week, I want you to become a list person. If you've never been one before, I want you to read over the list of the I am statements and the I will statements of Jesus at least twice. Do some added research, pray them through. Allow these lists to shape your perspective on your everyday. Let me pray for you before I sign off today. Thank you so much for for listening in. And I pray that these lists of things in the scripture could really become a staple as you are learning to, to live your life on the foundation of Jesus. God, I thank you so much for your truths. I thank you, Lord, that when you say you will do something, we never have to doubt it. God, that you will come and you will love us and you will keep us and you will make us fishers of men. You will give us purpose, that you will send us the Holy Spirit to help us, God, and that someday you will return. And I pray that we could wait in great anticipation of that day, that we wouldn't waste a minute of our lives, that we would honor you, glorify you, and enjoy you in every day and every moment. God, we love you. We thank you for your just dedication and commitment to helping us understand more of who you are. God, we pray that you would come close to each of us. And God, it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.